Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week is Living on a... uh, uh, I Was a Prayer, sorry. feel like that guitar line is the moment where Mark Hoppus said in the back of his mind, you know, if Tom ever goes off the rails and starts working with the government and can't do mm-hmm. Blink-182 anymore or just starts writing like really horrific songs and I need somebody to fill in for when he wrote good songs and played guitar the right way. Mm -hmm. This Matt Skiba guy is where it's at. I was thinking about this because, uh, you know, it's it's clear, you know, uh, the band had talked about how much they liked Skiba's songwriting, Blink-182, you know, even before they had broken up, right? Uh But by then, I think Blink was breaking up and Mark was going on to form Plus 44. It's like, why didn't he ask Skiba to be part of that? monstrosity yeah well matt was busy doing matt skiba and the secrets at that time i believe incorrect oh uh, well, well but alkaline Trio was getting signed to a major is it more important for me to be uh correct in the timeline here or to be hitting on your bit of mark is doing a bad band mm-hmm. so let me bring up matt skiba's bad, bad band. band yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean uh, both both good Honestly. Yeah. But I think, you know, facts are important. Yeah. Well, we have the facts and we're voting. Yes. Hey, uh, welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. My name is Tim Crisp. I'm here with my friend and equal, mm-hmm. David Anthony. You're in your stripes, kid. We're 20 finally. episodes in and you're, you're finally. It took some time. The co-host of our podcast about alkaline trio where we talk about one alkaline trio song per week and this week is our first uh our first song from crimson yeah weird first one to get kind of because it doesn't feel like a tentpole crimson song right but it's a good song it's a good song and it's something that we've talked about with regards to dan's songs in this band's canon where he is you know he's such a source of levity he's Mm -hmm. such a good like all right we're getting into the thick of things here totally let's pull us back up and Mm -hmm. he always pulls it back with something that's you know tonally it fits within the the you know the previous tracks she took him to the lake is a great Mm -hmm. example of something that's like it's different but it's it totally belongs where it is but and that song, I think, is indicative, too, of, of the placement of being, you know, the, the marker of, like, the two-thirds point where it's like, all right, Dan's got to do something <laughs> yeah. for us here. Dan needs to come alive right now. I'm Dying Tomorrow is something that we'll talk about. Yep. It does that really well. And this, in my opinion, it falls very, very in line with a song like I'm Dying Tomorrow. But in my opinion, yeah. it's better. 
I, I mean, like this song and what it does on this record so much. I mean, I agree with all that. Like, the, my biggest critique of Crimson has always been how just like disjointed that record feels. Like, the flow is really weird. It's mm-hmm. sequence really weird. And it's the kind of record that feels like a product of a band having too much material, having too many ideas, yeah, and then kind of cobbling it together. And though I think the quote unquote record is not a favorite. I love so many of the songs on it. And this is a prime example of Dan really shining and doing something that I think is a clear, you know, is built off what you were saying of coming in on the back half, asserting his, his place in the band, but also expanding on the types of songs he was writing all throughout good morning, especially on the B side of that album, right? Where he's doing a lot of stuff. That's like, a little more open, a little more airy, and, and tonally kind of reaching towards a more soft pop direction. And I don't mean that as a slight. I mean that in like that's a tough thing to do and make it good. And yeah. he makes it really, really good. Well, we talked recently about Dan's uh, sentimentality yes. and how on if you had a bad time, it was maybe something that could have been pulled back a little bit. Sure, if you're into a pretty cheesy area, but I think this is one where it's like. You know, Dan's got a really good way, I think, of, of talking about himself with an openness. And and this is this is an example of where, you know, he puts it out there and he puts it out there in a very sweet way. And he puts mm-hmm. it just in, in something that I think we can kind of all grasp onto. And there's that sense of identification that we have with Dan where, you know, he's not quite the main guy. Yeah. He's he's the guy that, that that comes in and he's got the voice that he has that we're all, you know, drawn to and we you know, we think about him. We think about him in terms that are a little bit different from Skiba. So this totally. is a really, really good like Dan song, a sweet Dan song. Yeah, yeah. Listening back to it, like I've always liked this song, but it's funny because the only part of it that I don't like is right up top with that kind of like drum intro thing yeah those like kind of like very processed like drum hits where it's like almost like 808s and you're like what um and it just feels like they didn't really know how to get almost like 808 yeah (laughs) yeah uh well it's funny because i've been this is a huge deviation but like seeing bands live who like rock bands live who use 808s to like punctuate the moments right it's like one of the most embarrassing things yeah it's but but um yeah it's like i could do without that and when you listen to the acoustic version of it like there's very clearly like that's how this song was written like dan just had this song pretty much fully flushed out him and an acoustic guitar yeah and then they built everything else around everything and and it benefits too from you know this record we'll talk a lot about the production on it but this is i think this is a really really good example where all the layers on it and you know with the exception of of the drums which i'm in total agreement with you on here but you know just the way everything is built around it and the layers of Dan's vocals on it. It's just all really, really solid and really sweet and just perfect for this form. Yeah. And it, you know, touching on the production briefly, like it makes perfect sense. Like you saying that that guitar, you know, lead line thing was such a Blink-182 thing. Like it was a post untitled self-titled Blink-182 world. Right. You know, that record was big it was that band doing something different from what they had been known for. And it makes sense that like Alkaline Trio like 
had a working relationship with Jerry Finn, who had you know helped Shepard Blink One Eighty Two up that hill, and that they would work with him on you know their version of that album, which is Crimson. Yeah, and you know something that we when when Crimson came out, I remember being sort of unaware, and it was like, oh, there's a new Alkaline Trio album out, and. I remember seeing it. It was it was literally like at a Best Buy, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Wait, for real? I did yeah. like, how did I miss that?" And I'd kind of moved, I guess, away from from punk or at least like this, you know, type of punk. But seeing the cover of that record was to me a little bit a little bit of like a sign of the times, and remembering totally. that and seeing like, okay. It's called Crimson. We got, is that, that's Derek and he's got a freaking bowler hat on. Yeah. Like this is the most 2004 shit that I could see in 2004. Yeah. I mean, I was in a similar place to a certain degree. I had very much moved away from a lot of bands that were occupying a similar space and was getting much, much more into like hardcore and crust and metal and like stuff that was much heavier than this. But I still loved Alkaline Trio. And post Good Morning, you know, there was a little bit of a, a vacancy for me where like I wasn't following them as close. And then I remember seeing the video for Time to Waste on MTV2 and being like, oh, I still like this. Yeah. Like I like this song. And I, I started anticipating this record. And I remember getting it when it came out. Um, and I don't really remember my initial reactions, but I remember I was always pretty fond of it when a lot of people weren't. Right. Um, but to your point, it was definitely aesthetically speaking, there. You know, it was the quote unquote scene world. Right. You know, you had things like My Chemical Romance and all the bands on Warped were like wearing suits, a lot of eyeliner. Um, you know, just a very maudlin approach to lyrics and aesthetic and vibe while making music that didn't always totally fit that. Right. Um, and this record came out in the middle of that. And I totally understand why for a lot of people, especially older fans, this was like a, nope, I'm out kind of moment. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we talk about a lot on this show. Like, you know, especially when we've been talking about Good Morning lately, where it's like, that was a that was the jumping off point for a lot of people. Yes. And you know, for me, like this was kind of it. Yeah. And I've I've really really come around on Crimson, but there was I thought that there was a sense and this has a lot to do with being junior, senior year of high school. Yeah. Of, you know, feeling like something that I really really liked had been taken co-opted and turned into this thing that i really did not like at all yeah i i see i had like a similar but different experience where like this felt like my this felt like the record i could use to like burn for people i knew in high school to maybe start pushing them away from the bad stuff into stuff that i thought was a little better yeah because i think you know, as much as I said, like, I think this record's flow is weird, it's got hits. It's got, you know, your time to waste, mercy me, yada, yada, yada. 
that I think like can grab people like that and then I can slip them god damn it or I can slip them maybe I'll catch fire and then right. maybe slowly we're moving down the path of like let me get you into punk yeah which was kind of the space I was occupying through a lot of high school because I was so into this stuff and like emo was still a buzzword but I was more into like braid than a dashboard or a fallout boy uh-huh and, and even as metalcore was rising up it's like I liked botch and converge not atray you you know so like so much of my high school years being really into music was trying to like, what's the record that's going to bridge the gap? And I felt like Crimson, though I understand the people who are like, I'm done, I'm done, screw yeah, this, yeah, screw yeah. this, I'm done. For me, it was like, all right, let me use this as maybe the way to like get people away from the straight up like warp tour, trash, scene core bullshit. For sure. And I think that like, you know, I think that it's a pretty natural evolution that you have especially during high school years where you kind of have to be like no the thing that i liked two years ago sucks now i'm into this yeah and i i think that like you know my when i would talk about alkaline trio with people in college it was like man they were so great and then crimson was like oh fuck and it wasn't until i saw uh brandon kelly was doing bad sandwich chronicles Mm -hmm. at that time which was like i wasn't reading any books because i just graduated college so i was like i was like same (laughs) same the only thing that i was reading really was deadspin and brennan kelly's blog and he said something to the effect of like i think crimson is the best thing that alkaline trio has ever done and this was in 2010 and i was like no fucking (laughs) way dog come on and then i totally totally bought into it very quickly and he still holds that opinion to this day like he is a died in the wool crimson defender yeah and like i get it it's one of those records where i understand why people love it as much as they do i also understand why people hate it but i don't think it's a record you can fully hate because i think what you're hating is not the songwriting because i think the songwriting is very good it's generally a disdain for what it symbolizes yeah. and some of the more lavish production choices. Right. But I think that, you know, when you break through what you mentioned earlier about it being kind of a disjointed record, one of the things that I really like about Crimson is songs like Mercy Me and mm-hmm. songs like I Was a Prayer, where it's just like, openly about you know kind of updating yes everybody who's been with these guys for as long as as long as they've been going about like where they're at right now and matt just drops a very like all right i'm like old and it's weird and then dan's got this track that's just like you know here i am yeah doing this thing i and i really i think the great the, the thing that's always bummed me out looking back on the band now and seeing where they're at now, and I would argue the same for Blink-182, is that I think this record and like Blink's like untitled record are really, really great. And I think it's them being able to mature while still being themselves, still having their perspective and a little bit of their like wordplay or sense of humor or whatever, but being able to turn it into something that is more adult and more true to, I think, what they wanted the band to be. You know, it, it's yeah. them clearly embracing 80s pop music. A lot of the cure is going into that, you know, touches of goth stuff, but doing it in a way that feels at the time modern. Yeah. And, you know, 
I think that's, you know, a song like I Was a Prayer has always been like, man, this is what I wish they would have done when they moved to a major label. I wish this is what Agony and Irony would have been, where they, instead of trying to go middle of the road alt rock, were like, all right, let's soften things up. Let's still write the types of songs we were doing, right. but let's add more layers. Let's like really like flesh them out and, and push them forward. But I think they always, you know, they, they got you know, shit for, for doing a record like this. And they would definitely get shit for going bigger when the word trio is in your name. Yeah. You know, there are, the, no there's the, there's the hidden guitar player stories. There's all that shit. Uh-huh. And I understand it. But at the same time, it's like, it was good music. And like, I'm not going to fault someone for like feeling like, you know, they made an arbitrary de- decision to name their band this. Like, I would like to think that like, they have the wiggle room to like grow beyond it too. Yeah, totally. And yeah, this song, it's just got, it's got such a sweetness to it. I really like the way the verses are kind of set up, you know, I'm like, I'm waiting till there's nothing left from a prayer. All you see is breath. Like, yeah, those, those are really nice, but you know, it's just like it, he, he drops it in, in such a way. And he, and he holds that, like he holds that meter and it's kind of this one of these deals where he's kind of talking in in veiled terms he's really really talking about himself though but he's not he's not too specific so that everybody who's listening is just like i am all those things too yeah and and it's it's tender in a way that you just you really latch on to and yeah i'm i'm with you the the idea that like this band can like continue to write songs from the same place, but you know present them with a softness, present them with a nice like lush tone to it. This is such a great example of yeah. what you know. Yeah, it would have been nice if they continued on this. And it's one of those things where it's like I could see this song if it was written two years later and they had gone more in that direction, like being a little slower instead of Matt playing that guitar line. It's like nice strings in the background. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a malleability to a lot of the material on Crimson that I've always appreciated because you can tell they built it to a point where it's like, this is the best version of it. Mm -hmm. And you can tell they had tried other things to get there. So I, I think this is a record that, you know, there are records that can be overworked, but this one just sounds really considered. Yeah. And I think, and I think, where Agony and Irony is so overworked to the point of sounding sterile, I think this record is just very much like making thoughtful considerations about what they want these songs to be and making sure each song got what it needed and not just like form-fitting everything into like, this is the production style for the record. Right. I I think that there are a couple that are, you know, worth arguing on that point but in in this case it's just like this is a this is a bare bones four chord song it's it's not all that different from something dan was writing five years ago it's a little bit more sentimental so yeah let's let's put like some subtle vocal effects on it let's you know put like an organ line that's like not taken over but it's just there it just boosts everything and it makes it nice it's a nice song to listen to on headphones, which is very rare much, for yes. this band. Very, very true. Also, fucking banger of a bridge. God, that's the thing that I've... One of the things I always really loved about them is, like, when they could write a great bridge, you know, that's, that's something that, like, they've faltered with at times, but when they nailed it, it's so good. And this one, it just slides in so naturally. 
feels like a perfect extension of the course brings you right back yep and it's just it's so masterfully constructed and i think that's something that dan doesn't get enough credit for in general even looking at his solo records is that sometimes it's so smooth that i think it just kind of breezes past you but i think he has an attention to like how these pieces fit together right whereas i think a lot of times skiba's his bridges succeed or fail because it's how jarring they feel right when you first hear it yeah and this is this is a bridge that's like it's not there's no key change or anything like that he just like he just rolls starts it, it on a minor and then there's there's like there's not a tempo change really but it's it's a little bit you know there's a little bit more rapidity to just like what comes out it's kind of just like the all right guys i want to talk like for real right now yeah and then hit it back to the chorus which like i i think the chorus to this it it's actually, in my opinion, like the weakest part of this song. Like I like I the verses and the bridges like way better. And that's also like I think when you listen to Crimson, Dan's choruses are pretty weak like throughout. Yes. But like But the other component parts I think are what This song it is it's just all nice. It's all nice. It's a song I was thinking about it today because it's like the weather's finally gotten nice. It feels like we're finally through winter and enjoying it. And like yeah. riding my bike up here to your new place and just like hearing that song in my head it's just like this is what this song is built for just like a beautiful like port sitting kind of like pleasant day right and you know there's there's something really nice about a song like that where it's just it's not obtrusive it doesn't try to get in its way it doesn't try to get in your way it just tries to fit into a pleasant experience while having lyrics that I think are, you know, obviously not focused on that. Yeah. But it's like Bell and Sebastian in that way. Uh-huh. And, you know, God bless him for doing it. Yeah. 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 The Dan with the Arab strap. Hey, uh, what would you rank this song? I give this song four skulls out of five. You know, I give this song four skulls out of five a rare moment of peace and agreement hey well done we're holding hands uh hey if you like what we're doing here why don't you why don't you tell a friend about it why don't you tell an old friend tell some friends tell someone who likes crimson hates crimson maybe it was their gateway maybe it was their gateway out i don't know tell them about it yeah maybe maybe they just need to be let back in like i was let back in once uh, you can subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Stitcher. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. He's at DB Anthony. I'm at Better Yet Pod. I think it's one of the one of the nicest parts of my Tuesday is when I get you know these random notifications about someone's opinion about you know what what was said or what Mm -hmm. what song we were talking about or tell me what you think yeah tell me what you think because i want to know but hey uh we do this thing because we like doing it we like spending time with each other and uh we're gonna do it again next week so we will see you then thanks bubbas